What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Valero Texas Open, sandwiched right in between the match play and the Masters, baby. And it's a pretty decent field, so let's we'll talk about that. But two really quick housekeeping items. Don't fast forward through this. I need your attention for just a moment. Uh, we've got a little bit of change in schedule for this week. The live chat, which is normally Wednesdays at 3 p.m., it is going to be Wednesday at 12 p.m., Eastern time. So I'm moving it up three hours. I've got family in town. So uh, I hope you guys understand should be right back to its regular time in coming weeks. And then uh, the bracket challenge, the Rick run good bracket challenge is now complete. And I have to thank all of you uh, for all the support, obviously, but we had by far the largest private league on PGATour.com. We almost had the largest league, public or private. It was the second largest, 2,176 people, basically five times the size of the next closest private league. Hat tip to you guys. Uh, I cannot believe all of the support that you've provided in 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 this, in, in liking and subscribing and just being a part of this community. So big hat tip out to you guys, but I'm looking to get in contact with the winners. So I tweeted this out as well. I'm going to need a little bit of help here. So if you're looking at your, your name on the screen right now, uh, from first through 10th, I, I, I need, I need to reach out to you. I need to get you, uh, set up with your prizes. So you can either email me. That would be best Rick at rickrungood.com. Uh, you could DM me on Twitter. That's a less reliable way to get a hold of me, but KD O'Neill, you want it. Dan Jollies, H Darth UY, David Lobo, um, Seth Alford, Adam Ray, not again, Duggan, Michael Borden. I need Nick Ringwall. I need No Love. I need Hap Brister, Clark, Mike's Golfers, Neff 2203, and I need Ridge. Ridge Reamerink. You know who you are. If that's you, you know who you are. Get in touch with me. Uh, KD O'Neill, awesome bracket, by the way. Got 11 out of 16 out of the group phase, which was two more than anybody else, and had the perfect final with Scotty Scheffler beating Kevin Kisner. So congrats to you, but I'm looking to get in touch with the winners. So if you're a winner and you can prove it, uh, get in touch with me. I'll talk to you soon. I'll get you all set up. But for now, let's jump into this week's DFS preview. Here we go. TPC San Antonio is the course. This is the Oaks course. There's a couple of courses down there at TPC San Antonio. So Oaks has played uh, host to this event since 2010. 2010. And uh, what you have here is uh, it's a TPC course, right? It's a Texas course. Uh, there is not a lot of penal rough out there. So what you'll find is that missing the fairway that's fine. Missing it by a little, that's fine. Missing it by a lot, that's when you start to get into trouble. There's kind of some trees, there's some rocky areas, there's some weird things that can rack up scores very, very quickly. Think Kevin Na, who, you know, refuses to take the drop, makes a 17 on a par three. Um, that was here. So th that stuff can happen, but if you're just a little bit off, if you're playing out of the rough, all good. So what you'll see in the regression model here, driving accuracy uh, very low on the correlated stat list. In fact, it actually historically has a negative correlation to success. Does driving accuracy. There are only five courses on the PGA tour where driving accuracy is less important. And what's funny, normally when you would see that when you would see driving accuracy rank very, very low, you would normally see driving distance rank quite high. That's not really 
the case. And the reason for that is while it's 7,400 yards on the scorecards, you do get a lot of run out from these fairways. So even guys that are shorter hitters, they're going to get a lot of roll. It's not going to play to its full 7,400 yards. You're going to have shorter hitters that are able to contend and are able to take advantage of this golf course, especially because the fives are hard to get to and two for anybody. So if, if you take out the advantage of the big hitters being able to get to the fives, uh, it, it turns into a three-shot par five contest, and driving distance is not nearly as important. What you'll also see on these greens, uh, 6,400 yards on average, that puts them about medium, right? Medium-sized greens is what I would call that. Uh, they're tiered. So while the regression model only has strokes gained approach at the at 28th out of 43 courses, I think it will probably be probably be more important than that because you've got to hit it to the right tier. You've got to worry about where you're landing it, where it's bouncing to, how much spin you're putting on it, things of that nature. And the greens have been fairly receptive over the last couple of years with uh, the biggest defense around Texas being Texas wins. So we'll see if that's in the forecast for this week. We can talk about it on the Wednesday uh show if you want to go get your question comment or concern in now because we are starting earlier on wednesday there's a link in the description you can go to my youtube channel you can get your question in right now so that you don't miss out and then you can watch the replay but this is um a, a very kind of standard ish uh, pga tour course especially because it's a tpc winning score 12 to 20 under par something like that is is very likely and as long as you keep it mostly in play you should have a pretty good time and give yourself a lot of opportunities Here's the cheat sheet at rickrungood.com, and there are five different golfers over $10,000. Rory McIlroy, Hideki Matsuyama, Jordan Spieth, Abraham Answer, and Bryson DeChambeau. couple of items. Um, I, I think I really like the top here, Rory and Hideki. Rory is well-rested, didn't play the match play, right? Opted out. We haven't seen him since the Players' Championship, and just look at what he's been up to. So I have the last 48 rounds loaded here on the cheat sheet, and he's leaning back into those strengths. He is driving the ball better than basically anyone, right? We can go to his golfer profile page, and I think we're going to see a lot of positive signs for Rory. Here's his uh, results here. And and what you're seeing is a real, like when, when guys lean into their weapon, right? Normally when I talk about guys having a weapon, it's because they've lost their weapon. That's really, really concerning. It's a very good sign when guys lean into their best part of their game. And Rory McIlroy has gained multiple strokes off the tee in three straight. Then he played those desert event or the, uh, the U D DP World Tour events in which we don't have the strokes gain data, but he finished third, 12th, 18th, and sixth. So you imagine he drove it well. Uh, the start before that, he gained five. Five and a half at Summit Club won that event. I mean, he's just gaining multiple strokes off the tee. It's a really, really good sign. The approach play is coming back around. The putter, a bit questionable over his last two starts, but that's two starts. You know, you can write that off pretty quickly here. And it, this is not technically Rory's debut at this event. He's played here before, but it was a while ago. It was 2013 was the last time he teed it up. He finished runner-up. So it should be a really good place for him. You know he's going to be... I Like, Rory's the type of guy that comes across to me as, like, very engaged in this week. Yes, there is a bigger fish to fry. There is a career Grand Slam fish to fry next week at Augusta National, but you don't win that by struggling here, by being 
disengaged here, especially when you take off the match play to get ready for this. It, it just feels like Rory has picked the schedule properly. So he's kind of the safer of the two here at the top. Hideki, seemingly the high upside slate breaker that we have here because he's 10,800. He withdrew from the Players' Championship. Remember that? The, the back injury uh, or the neck injury? I can't remember what it was. I think he cited a back injury. But that is uh, something that took, took place after lock. It burned a lot of people. But what do we know about TPC San Antonio. We know that this is a ball. Uh, I, I believe it to be a second shot course. So if we look at everybody in this field and let's go back the last 20, let's call it 24 rounds. And uh, what you're going to note is that Rory, or excuse me, Hideki Matsuyama is the best player in this field over the last 24 rounds. That's all the rounds that Hideki has played in 2022. He's gaining over a stroke and a half. The only other guy gaining over a stroke, a stroke and a half Rory McIlroy, and they're a quarter of a stroke per round better than everybody else. It's a pretty big gap with these two. Now, what I think you're getting from Decky is a lot of risk, right? I don't know, and we're not going to know the status of his injury. We don't know if it's just like good reps he's going to get this week. He wants to test it out. He's going to defend uh, the, his master's title next week. I I. I don't know, and maybe we'll get more clarity as the week goes on, but maybe we won't, and this is a situation where we're going to have to assess risk versus reward. Uh, the other thing that I find incredibly notable from Hideki here is that he has gained strokes across the board this year in 2022. That means he's gaining with the putter. He's gaining around the green, every major category, right? So really good signs from Hideki if you're willing to take on the risk. The rest of this 10K range, I think it's fine. You know, there there has to be a level of concern around Jordan Spieth. Here's Spieth right here. Uh, the the putter was horrendous, and and I will I will note this. So I do load in um, on RickRunGood.com. I do load in the match play strokes gain numbers. They are official numbers from the PGA Tour. However, they are inherently wonky because you get a situation where some guys play what uh 50 holes other guys play 100 holes you can have uh holes and shots and putts that are conceded so it is it is a bit of wonky data but it is in here and the thing that you're seeing from Jordan Speeth is carrying over from the last couple of weeks this to me is a huge concern for Jordan Speeth he has lost strokes with the putter 3 out of his last 4 4 out of his last 6 i'm worried about that Right. You know, to lose five and a half at the match play, to lose two at the players championship, to lose three in Phoenix and two at Pebble or at Torrey Pines. That's that's a little bit concerning. So I will probably um, sit it out on Spieth this week. If he goes out and defends again. Cool. All good. No worries there. And we'll be at a fever pitch leading into the Masters. But I think I would prefer Hideki. I would prefer Rory. And I'd honestly probably prefer Abraham answer. You know, answer played well last week got to the elite eight before being bounced in the match play and for the first what four matches something like that he didn't trail in any of them he was in pretty good control of his game he's got decent history around here his results are getting better and better and um i i think that uh, i'll go back to my statement uh, from earlier which is you know this course on the scorecard is 7400 yards it's it does not play that long uh he's going to get a lot of run out in the fairways the par fives are going to be three shotters for him like they always are and they're going to be three shotters for everybody else I, I think this is a better setup than if you just looked at par and looked at the yardage on the scorecard and the types of holes that they have I think it's actually a better setup for answer than it appears
Let's go down to that $9,000 range here. And this is where things start to get really interesting. Uh, Corey Connors makes a deep run at the match play. And you would normally see a guy who goes and plays normally seven matches in five days, although Connors did get the concession from Paul Casey. So he basically played six matches in five days. You would normally see that guy WD. In fact, as soon as Scotty Scheffler made it out of his group last week, he withdrew from this event because he knows it's a lot of golf to be played over a short period of time. Well, Corey Connors, you know, past champion of this event has always played well here, probably wants to come back. There's not a great history of guys that make a deep run in the match play and then immediately play the next week and have a lot of success. It's a fairly small sample. Take it for what it's worth. I think this is just a situation where if Connors is popular and he wins the golf tournament or finishes in inside the top five, I'm happy to get burned there. I'm happy to get burned on Spieth winning. I'm happy to get burned on Corey Connors winning. If it happens, it happens. I think there are probably better ways to deploy my money. I think the guy who I'm most interested in is Mav McNeely. He's 9,500 bucks. And if we go to his golfer profile page, you're going to see, and I've, I've documented this before. We've talked about this a lot. I believe that McNeely is making significant strides in his game. You can see it over the running strokes gain numbers here, you know, from, you know, mid 2020 to maybe early 2021, he was very much an average player and, uh, or slightly above average player. And what we've seen since then for basically the last year is direct up into the right. And you're seeing it uh, in a way that is, I believe to be really really solid. You know, he's a, a great uh, driver of the golf ball. He's okay, but can pop with the approach. And he's a very good putter. The thing that um, happened at the match play last week is, is very hard to swallow. If you're Mav McNeely, he was two Oh, and one, he did not lose a match in group play, did not make it out of his group. He went to a playoff with Kevin Na and got uh, beat in a playoff to win his group. So he played beautifully gained a bunch of strokes off the tee gained a bunch of strokes with the putter uh probably the un most unlucky guy of the week and he's sitting here like well well now what right like i'm playing well i don't get to go to the to the to the weekend or to the final or the semifinals or the quarterfinals of the match play but i'm playing well and if you start going back to that you know midsummer of last year he's gaining strokes like you can't even imagine 18 out of his last 21 events he's gained strokes to the field most of them he's gained four or more, three or more strokes to the field over four rounds. It's it's a really, really good trajectory that Maverick McNeely is on, and I'd rather be rostering a $9,500 McNeely than a $9,800 Connors. And again, if it burns me, it burns me. No no problem. I don't I don't mind. I don't I don't care. The rest of the 9K range, you know, it's interesting. I think Gary Woodland will be quite popular. We can talk about him in a second. I think uh, Tony Finau at 9,100 is maybe low enough to start buying. You know, we saw flashes of greatness from Tony uh, in his final match against Xander uh, in the match play, and he hasn't been as bad as I think uh, I would even like to like to say, and he's got a, a decent finish here in 2017. So we'll, that to me is going to be wholly ownership dependent. If we get to Wednesday morning and we see that Tony Finau is 7% owned, I'll probably be in. Uh, the other thing, and, and this is a good time, I can show you the updated trends tool. So I just made like an update to the trends tool here. So this is a, a tool that I don't show often enough, but I do really, really like where uh, now what you're able to do is you're able to select how many rounds you want to look at, and it'll compare that number of rounds versus the golfer's 100 rounds baseline. So I put every golfer to 100 rounds and say, okay, that's enough data or the most recent 100 rounds to say that's what 
uh, each golfer is. Like, that's who they are. That's their DNA. And then you select the number of rounds that you want to look at compared to that 100 rounds baseline. So that's what you're looking at on YouTube right now. So I've got the last 16 rounds up here. And what you'll notice is um, Gary Woodland is the fourth hottest putter. So what that means, there's a .9 in that, ca- in that column. It means that Gary Woodland over his last 16 rounds is gaining nine tenths of a stroke. So almost a full stroke more with his putter than his baseline. Generally unsustainable, right? That a a short period of time versus a golfer's longer term baseline. It's generally unsustainable. So if you scroll down, you'll see I have this, this breakouts candidate tool, which looks at T to green play versus uh, putting and basically says, take your, take your tee to green play. How well are you hitting it? Which is uh, much more sustainable week over week versus your recent putting stats to that baseline and see what's most likely to happen. Um, so unfortunately, for example, I, I actually have Maverick McNeely as kind of on the okay side of it. You know, he's hitting it well tee to green, but maybe he's getting a little lucky with the putter. Uh, you're also seeing Gary Woodland there as well. Now, Gary Woodland is much more extreme to the right. He's not hitting it as well as McNeely is. He's putting it much uh, better to his baseline than uh, than McNeely is. So that's a, that's kind of a concern. The guys in the bottom right are major concerns. These are guys that aren't hitting it well and they're putting it way over their baseline, which is generally uh, a fall from grace is coming. So uh, what you guys what you want is guys to the to the upper left hand quadrant here, both both on the grid. So uh, that's that's how I would assess the the bottom of that nine k range. We'll wait on ownership for Finau. We'll wait on ownership for for Keegan, uh, but Woodland who I imagine is going to be a bit more popular um i'll probably fade the putter and and expect him to come back down to earth here shortly the eight thousand dollar range and as we start entering the eight thousand dollar range let's start using some of these other tools here so i'm just going to go to uh the holy grail and i'm just going to load up the uh all the players in this field from 2010 at tpc san antonio and we're just going to see who the best is guys that have a sizable um uh, sample sizes. Obviously, number one is is Charlie Hoffman. Forty four rounds. That's eleven starts. He's eighty two hundred dollars. So he's in that eight thousand dollar range, gaining two point four strokes per round. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was Rory at Bay Hill is what it was. That there is a um a vo- a very short list of golfers. It's like eight or ten golfers that have gained two point four strokes per round over like at least 30 rounds at any course, any golfer at any course. And it's your elite, elite stuff. It's DJ at Pebble Beach. It's Rory at, um, I think he's on there for both Quail Hollow and Bay Hill. It is, um, it's magic stuff. It's Spieth at, at, at Augusta National. Well, it's also Charlie Hoffman at TPC San Antonio. So if you're a big course history guy, you don't get better weeks than Charlie Hoffman in San Antonio. He's got a victory. He's got three runner-up finishes. He's got uh, another third-place finish and then four more top 15s outside of that. I mean, it's it's really incredible what he's been able to do. So if you're a big course history guy, the $8,200 price tag on Charlie Hoffman should be calling your name. Other guys in that $8,000 range. Uh, Patton Kazire is here as well, but he's only played it once. He finished T9 in 2021 Streelman has a larger sample size so Kevin Streelman 24 rounds uh gaining 1.7 per round that's four top 15 finishes in his six starts most recently 2019 he finished sixth 2018 he finished TA so he did not play this event last year so if you're looking for 
kind of that really good, maybe that course history popper, those guys might be on your short list. And then um, Davis Riley is hanging here at, at 8,400. Remember Valspar? Remember he finished runner-up there? He didn't, you know, he made triple on Sunday, but he fought back, got himself in the thick of things and uh, pushed Sam Burns to a playoff, right? I mean, now he's had some time to, refocus get back in action he's getting a significant price increase which will likely keep the casuals off of davis riley but i think most golf circles would be um uh, very uh, optimistic about the state of davis riley's game and the way that he fits onto the pga tour moving forward the seven thousand dollar range and uh i think easily in the upper 7k my favorite play is uh brendan Steele, and i think he's going to be fairly popular which is a shame because i don't think he should be he missed he missed five consecutive cuts uh before the arnold palmer invitational and then he finished t26 at api and then he backed that up with a t13 the players championship and what you saw during that missed cut streak is really bad iron play which is kind of uncharacteristic for brendan Steele. He's a very good ball striker his troubles are the putter it, you know him losing three four or five strokes with the putter that's not unusual him losing three strokes on approach horrifying now He's back on track. Gained three at the Arnold Palmer, gains four at the Players' Championship. This is a stat line these last two weeks that are much more in line with what you would see from a regular Brendan Steele week. I will also say the putter is always an issue. However, and I typed in his name instead of the tournament name. That was embarrassing. Uh, however, his 10 trips to this event, he's gained strokes with the putter in half of them. That is more frequent than you would get for him at any other tour stop. Also helps that he won this event in 2011. He has a couple other top 10 finishes in there as well. So let's marry, let's marry recent ball striking with course history putting and obviously good vibes the history with the win that makes brendan seal a pretty interesting play in the sevens i will also note that if you go back to that trends tool and i think i have this set right now to the last 16 rounds so compare everybody's last 16 to their baseline brendan seal is basically the breakout candidate Right. I mean, you could argue maybe Hayden Buckley is there as well, but Steele, with the way he's hitting it, with the way that he's putting, even still below his baseline, and he's not a good putter. So it's just below his baseline. I'm not asking him to gain five strokes with the putter. I'm asking him to like get back to his baseline. Uh, he is one of the best breakout candidates that you can get. I bet you it gets even better if you say the last eight rounds, which is start starting to get really, really small. Um, okay, he's still kind of hovering there in that same spot. Luke List, Matt Jones also starts surrounding him as well. But that's uh, still very much in that, in that breakout candidate's uh, upper left-hand quadrant that you want to be in. I do think the field gets quite weak in this $7,000 range, and there's a lot of guys that I'm not necessarily excited about. Brian Stewart's been playing well, but I'm not sure that this is necessarily one of the best spots for him. At $7,500, Martin Laird has my attention. Missed the cut at the Valspar, missed the cut at the Players' Championship. But if you like the team no-putt angle, you gotta love Martin Laird. Uh, a great approach players, gained strokes and multiple of them in basically seven of his last eight, eight of his last nine, loses a ton of strokes with the putter. The argument around Martin Laird um, is that I believe that TPC Summerlin is a fairly good comp course for what we're going to get at TPC San Antonio this week, which is um, if you miss the fairway by a little, it's okay. You're just in non-penal rough, no issues there. If you miss it by a lot, you're dead. And at TPC San Antonio, that, or excuse me, at TPC Summerlin, that is rocks and desert. And TPC San Antonio, there's like these rocky areas and trees, and it's just like, it's just, it's a nightmare. 
if that's a good comp course, well, Laird's won at both of them. Right, he won. T- he won at uh, at TPC Summerlin, and then I'll pull up his his Valero results here. His victory came in 2013. He's gaining uh, routinely a ton of strokes on approach, which you would like to see, and then he's gained strokes with the putter in four out of nine, and one of them he was a zero. So, like, give me one of those weeks. Give me a Martin Laird one stroke gained with the putter which is what he did last year, and he finished T30. And if I get that this year, with the way he's hitting the ball, you would expect that he finishes much better than T30. So that's kind of the path for him to find success at a course that he's already won at, and I think the comp course is set up well for him. Oh, and the uh, the other guy in the $7,000 range is Bo Hostler, who is a flat 7000 And we haven't seen him since the Players' Championship. He missed the cut there. He kind of punted a couple strokes away on 17, trying to make the cut on, I don't know what day it was, during his second round, and things kind of got hairy after that. But his results leading in, I mean, he's got a 20th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, 16th at Honda, finished third at Pebble Beach. And if we go back to that trends tool, and I don't know what number of rounds I'm going to have to look at for Bo. Let's do 20, 16, I don't know. I don't know what's best. But, like, let's just say maybe 24 is best. Uh, well, okay. Even 16 look, uh, so I'm looking at total heat. So this is just uh, like a heat check on Bo Hostler and he is the one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth hottest golfer. Now, again, this is relative to his own baseline. It does not mean he's Hideki Matsuyama or Roy McIlroy, obviously, but to his own baseline, he's gaining a stroke per round more than usual. Well, how is he doing that? Well, it's a half a stroke with the putter, a little bit concerning there, but it's a half a stroke on approach. That's a good sign. You know, that could be the sign that he found something, that the swing is feeling good, he's got a good swing thought. When you see a guy playing over their own baseline in an in a ball-striking way, you start to get a little bit exciting. And that half a stroke per round on approach is like top 15 in terms of approach heat, again, to each golfer's own baseline. So lots of different ways that you can look at this, but I I, I still believe that Bo Hostler, uh, now well-rested, right? We, he played eight straight weeks. Eight straight weeks this guy did. Now he's well-rested, hasn't played since the Players' Championship. You think he'd be, you'd be ready to rock and roll. The $6,000 range. I actually don't mind Minwoo Lee, who uh, a lot of the metrics are going to look very bad on. He was playing well on the DP World Tour, came over here for a couple of starts recently on the PGA Tour. He's been horrendous. He played much better at the match play. 1-1-1, one, one, and one, I believe his record was. Did not get out of his group, but uh, some of his advanced metrics, again, a bit wonky, looked a little bit better. But uh, the other guys in this range, you know, Austin Smotherman, he was um, on that trends tool in kind of a, a little bit of a concerning way. He's a very good approach player, very good ball striker, but we're seeing him putt a little bit more than expectation. That worries me, but in a range of guys that I'm not particularly excited about, I wouldn't mind going back to either Smotherman or Spence, and they're both $6,800. Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive on Doc Redman here, because um, the 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 results from Redman, the metrics from Redman have been like trying to turn a battleship, right? They've been slow, but we're we're getting there. They're they're getting there. And you start to see the green on rickrungood.com in kind of the right categories, right? And this is what we saw. You got to scroll back to boy, uh at the end of 2020, like when when Doc was finishing third at the Wyndham and and in that really good run, it was it was because of the ball striking categories. And that's what he kind of lost over the last year or so, but now we've got a guy who's gained multiple strokes on approach in 
three of his last six, and he's gained in five of six of those. Uh, back off the tee, starting to level out towards uh, average or a slightly above average tour player off the tee. The putter has even started to find a little bit of a of a, a heat check around the green. is is horrible, but if you think, hey, if you're tapping into the around the green play, you're probably you're you're probably in trouble anyway. Uh, you can kind of write that off pretty quickly. So I think we're we're seeing it. It's slow, but he's now made five out of six cuts, and at sixty seven hundred, sixty seven hundred dollars, I think you could do a lot worse than Doc here. Uh, Peter Uline did get into this field, and he is a flat dead $6,000. If you really are looking for the salary cap relief, uh, I mean, he finished runner up the corn Ferry tour last week. Uh, that's uh, call it what you want. The corn Ferry tour. Those guys are amazing. It's deep and finished runner up there, made the cut in Puerto Rico, made the cut at the Honda classic, had a top 20 in the corn Ferry tour event before that. So four really solid uh, weeks in a row or starts in a row, I guess I should say. And he's now back in this field seasoned, you know, seasoned guy. Like there's not, this, this spot isn't too big for him or anything like that. Let's see if we can run a model and uh, find some, find some good guys as well here. All right. So here we go. Uh, here's the custom model at rickrungood.com and we're like in the meat of the season. So I, I, I kind of want to keep my, my rounds pretty low here. 16 or lower would probably be my favorite. Um, because I just think, you know, we've got these guys playing a lot. I, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do, I'm going to get a little bit crazy here. Let's do, and, and because it is a week, okay, so the other thing is because this is a little bit of a weaker field, I would prefer to use the weighted strokes gain stuff because you have guys who play in a lot of weak fields. You have guys who just played in the Corn Ferry Tour event. We've got guys that just played at Punta Cana. We have guys that just played in Puerto Rico. So in those last 16 rounds, there's going to be, I don't want to say some fraudulent results, but obviously finishing... 13th in Puerto Rico is not the same as finishing 13th or even 33rd coming out of the match play or something like that or at the Players' Championship. So I am going to use the weighted stuff here. And I'm going to say weighted strokes gained approach, uh, 25. I think that's pretty important. Then I'm going to say driving uh, distance, I don't think is – I'm going to go accuracy over distance here, even though I know you don't have to be super accurate. But I'm going to go 15 – on distance 10 I'm sorry 15 on accuracy 10 on distance so that's like 25 weights on kind of like a blended far would be nice as long as you can keep it in play if you can't keep it in play accurate is the way I need you to be so that's 50 that's half of my of my um of my weights here uh then I'm going to go with uh par 5 scoring for just 10 because I'm going to put another 10 on 50 to 125 approaches because that I think the par fives are going to turn into a lot of like three shotters. So now I've got 30 weights to go. Um, I can do this a couple of different ways. I probably could should just put it on birdie or better or DraftKings points gained or something like that. Maybe I could split. Well, I don't want to split them. Let's do. I'll kind of do a weighted a weighted scoring average. So I already have 20 allocated to what I believe par fives will come down to par five scoring and 50 to 175. So I'll just do 10 on par fours, 10 on par three. So a little bit of a weighted scoring there. And then I'll do 10 on draft Kings points gained because we are playing a, a, a draft Kings point. So this is a, uh, this is more stats than I, than I would normally do, but let's do it. My number one golfer is, Oh boy. I'm so screwed. 
It's Connors. It's Corey Connors. Of course it is. All the great history, all the great metrics, blah, blah, blah. Of course he's an awesome fit. Am I going to play the rest game? Am I really going to knock the guy, the number one golfer in my model past champion here because I think playing six rounds in five days is too much? I guess I have a decision to make. God, I hate that he popped up. He's already the guy that I was like writing up for Golf Digest. I'm like, ah, most likely to disappoint, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I hate that. Oh, boy, I hate that. I love that Hideki's number two, and I love that Abraham answers number three. I love that. Chris Kirk is four. Didn't talk about him. I'll have to do a little bit of homework on him. Rory McIlroy is five. Patton Kazire is six. Kazire uh, is a big-time like fantasy point guy. Spieth is seven. Finau, eight. Doug Gim, nine. Russell Knox, ten. So I've got to do a little bit of homework on Chris Kirk. I've got to decide how much money I want to lose on, Ab- on uh, Corey Connors. i got to do a little bit of research on maybe Tony. Tony's more ownership uh, consideration. I do note that McNeely is 18th for me and, and Martin Laird is 17th for me. Just kind of scrolling through looking here. I have Bryson 32nd in this field. Wow. Doc is 34th. Just kind of looking for some bigger names. Okay. Interesting. I have Hoffman at 71st. See, that's the kind of the problem. He hasn't been playing well, right? He hasn't been playing well. Now he's going to a place that he's absolutely dominated. What wins? Histor- like recent, Recently, we've seen course history win. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's my model. Uh, you can run your own and you can mess around with it. We'll probably do a new one on Wednesday. Again, that's now. Oh, no, I screwed this up. It's now 12 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Yes, it's now 12 p.m. I moved up three hours. So it's now 12 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, which I hope is what I said earlier. Uh, Otherwise, tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.